0: I'm preaching again from the book of Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and I'll be reading verses 18 to verse 25. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 18. We'll stand as we honor God by the reading of his word. The Bible says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do wait with patience, wait for it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for your Precious word, we thank you for your presence and for how you minister to hearts and you meet needs in a very special way. We thank you for your presence here today. And I ask the Lord that you would continue to move in this service and move in hearts as your word goes forth. Use it for your honor and for your glory. Accomplish your will in every heart and in every life and that each person would be receptive to what you have to say. Take full control. Give me the words you will have me to say. May they be a source of strength and encouragement and challenge to each person here today and anyone who would listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. There is no question that war has consequences. In our beautiful Twin Island Federation, we have, over the past years, witnessed firsthand the devastating effects of what we would call gang warfare. This gang warfare was ravaging our society. We were, as it were, breaking at the seams. We experienced fear walking the streets. Fear to enter our homes. Fear to go out at night. And the impact of this gang war fear was far-reaching. It had a major impact on our tourism industry. It had a major impact on our economy at large. In no small way, the impact of this warfare was real. And as controversial as the attempts at a solution have been, and they will continue to be controversial, we understand and feel the effects on the society and on our own lives when things are not at the level at which they were because we understood in a real way that war had consequences and has consequences on our lives and how we conduct our affairs personally and otherwise. But today as we continue to look at the results of a war We understand and recognize that we are examining, however, not a physical war as a war involving gangs, but we are looking at a war that is far more impactful, far more devastating. My friend, we are examining and about to continue looking at a war that is at the root of every other war known to mankind. This war, my friend, is a spiritual war. It is a war of good versus evil. It's a war of right versus wrong. And as we've examined the word of God, the pages of scripture, we've seen that this war that we are speaking of here today is a war that started in heaven. This war was initiated by Satan himself. The chief angel, a creation of Almighty God, rebelled against God and got one third of the angels to rebel with him. The result was that they were all cast out of heaven and ever since that time, this war, my friend, has been raging. This war affects you. This war affects me. And it affects us every single day of our lives. We're taking a close look at this war because, my friend, this war has major consequences. It's important that we are aware of the effects of this war. It's important that we are aware of why this war is taking place. It's important that we understand the effects of this war on our lives personally, on our families, on our schools, on our churches, on our nations, my friend, because we cannot escape the effects of this war. And if we pay close attention to the effects on our world, we must conclude that this war seems to be raging in a way that it has never raged before entitled this sermon series, A War Is Raging. We've been looking at the results of this war and thus far we've seen that the first effect and result of this war is sin. My friend, sin is present because of this war. But we saw as well that This war has resulted in sides. You see, my friend, God is a holy God. And anything that comes against God, against the will of God, against the purpose of God, that obstructs God's plan and purpose, my friend, that is sin. And it results in an automatic division of sides. But today I want us to look at a third result of this war. And I want to preface this by saying this result is not one that is going to cause us to be comfortable. It's not one that's going to give us a warm and fuzzy feeling. But make no mistake, my friend, this is a direct result of this spiritual war that is raging. And this result, my friend, is... Suffering. Suffering. Suffering is a reality of our human existence and it's important that we understand why suffering exists and where it has come from. Now I want us to look at our text in Romans chapter 8 and I want us to see briefly, as quickly as I can this morning, three things in this passage as it relates to this matter of suffering. Now, notice with me, first of all, as it relates to this result of this spiritual war, understand that we have, and you can jot this down, a decaying creature. Now, look with me in verse number 20 what the Bible says. It says for the creature was made subject to vanity. Not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Now you say, Pastor, who who is he talking about? Who is the creature? My friend, the creature is humanity. You and me. You and I, we are Creatures. Now that makes us seem a little, sounds a little degrading, doesn't it? But we are creatures. And so he says here, the creature was made subject to vanity. Now we understand what happens, what it's explaining here, is that you and I were subject to depravity. We understand that in Genesis chapter 3 and we can turn there because it helps us to understand why do we suffer? Why do we have difficulty? Why does that exist? This is often a, a question that is asked whenever we experience pain. But we have to understand that my friend the root of pain and suffering is a result of this spiritual war that is raging. Now, back in Genesis chapter 3, we understand the setting here is the Garden of Eden where God had put man and woman, Adam and Eve, in a perfect environment that was free of suffering, free of pain, free of agony, free of turmoil. But in verse number 16, we understand that that the context here is that the serpent had beguiled Eve and got her to go against the command of God and Adam went along with her as well and in verse number 16 understand the consequences of their actions my friend mark it down disobedience to God always has negative consequences there's no escaping it And the Bible says, God speaking in verse number 16, says unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy what? Thy sorrow. Now understand, man as a result of his sin is now about to face some consequences. What's the first consequence here as a result of being a decaying creature? That man is now subject to pain. He says, I will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Look at that word again. In what? Sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Look at that word again in verse number 17 when he speaks to Adam. Adam. He says, curse is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. My friend, as a result of sin and disobedience to God, man now is subject to suffering. Man is now subject to pain. Remember God had said to them, the day that he eat of it, of the fruit, he shall surely what? Die. So my friend, from the time they disobeyed God, guess what? Man began a process of decaying. Man began to die. My friend, from the time you and I are born, we begin to die. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and I want you to notice that this is just our lot as a result of what? of sin as a result of this spiritual war that was started in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 Solomon who had experienced listen riches who had experienced pleasure who had experienced all there was to experience gets to the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and he gives a process a bleak picture if you will of the reality of the human existence in that we are decaying creatures. I'm not going to take the time to read all of these verses, but if you go through verses 1 to 7, he highlights different aspects of our lives that we are simply, from the time we are born, beginning to decay until we die. And for those who are young and sprightly and active and energetic. You may not feel like you are decaying, but my friend, no matter your age or stage in life, we are all decaying. When you get a little older, you realize that the brain is not working as sharp as it used to. You're forgetting things that you normally would have remembered. Why? The brain, my friend, it is decaying. The joints don't work like they used to. I mean, I remember when, you, when I go down and I come up, you just spring back up. Now you get back up, you're like, oh. It's not that easy to get up when you're down. The joints are decaying. The heart is decaying. I mean, there are times where you could experience uh, fear, and you could you could get over it. No, but you get older. Somebody scares you. You got to take a few seconds to recover because the heart is not as strong as it used to be. The heart is decaying as you get older. whatever adhesive that god placed between the gum and the teeth <laughs> begins to decay and the result is the teeth begin to exit decaying the hair that existed at particular places on the scalp and on the begins to decay and you think it's because the barber just did something wrong. No. The here is decaying. Things begin to droop. Things begin to go south. When you want them to go north. When body parts break, they don't, they don't, they don't mend as fast. Because things are decaying. I mean, the eyes begin to go dim because they are decaying. And even after you had LASIK surgery and you thought everything was over, you got to go back to glasses because the eyes still continued to decay. My friend, we are decaying creatures. You tell people to speak louder turn up the volume, acting as if they are the problem. No, the ears are decaying. My friend, exactly brother Elvin, all over is decaying. It's a reality of our human existence, my friend. Listen, let me tell you something, young people. No matter uh, how fine you think you are, no matter how hot you think you are, listen. Don't put all your stock in that you are decaying. Right. Right. It will not always be how it is right now. If that's all you have and that's all you place your value in, soon, my friend, eventually, you will not have it. Listen, don't put all your stock in how intelligent you are and how sharp you are and how, 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 how uh, intelligent you are, my friend, because eventually, uh, all that intelligence will eventually decay. That's why I was just saying to my wife recently, But it's good to grow old together with the wife of your youth. Because guess what? You begin to decay together. Amen? Amen? Everybody can be on the same page. As things begin to decay together at the same rate, you can understand and you don't have to be frustrated because one person is decaying too fast and the other person is decaying a little slow. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Amen. Some of these old men want to leave the wife of their youth and go find somebody else. You can't keep up. You are at a different decaying phase. Solomon said in verse number 8 after he looked at this reality of the decaying creature he said vanity of vanities all is vanity suffering we're subject to pain why? because we're decaying creatures but my friend here's something else we're decaying creatures we're not only subject to pain but we're subject to problems Job chapter 14 and verse 1. Job said, man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. We, we are messed up. We are faulty. We have problems galore. Social problems, psychological problems, mental problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems, economical problems, financial problems. And my friend, let me tell you this governments cannot solve this world's problems. One little virus turned this entire world into a tailspin, and we're still trying to recover. Governments in trying to solve the problems and can't. And those who are not in trying to claim that they have the answers but don't. Am I saying we shouldn't have governments? No, I'm absolutely not saying that. I'm saying that the governments are going to have to do their best to manage the problems and they should. And we have to determine, uh, you know, who we're going to put there, who we think could manage the problems best. But if you think that they're going to solve the problems, my friend, you're sadly mistaken. They're going to have to manage these problems. Man cannot eradicate the suffering of sin. You know why? Sin is a hard matter. Sin is a heart problem. Sin is a spiritual problem. You look at the greed of mankind. That's why First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And exploitation as a result of man's depraved heart leads to suffering. I told you this is not one of those results that's going to make us feel comfortable. Because we don't like suffering. But it's one of the results of, my friend, this, this spiritual war. We observe the decaying creature. But I want you to notice something else in this passage that in Romans chapter 8, that if you don't pay close attention to, you just might overlook it or miss it, maybe unintentionally. But notice the result of sin and the result of this war is that there is a decaying creature, but notice, secondly, there is a deteriorating creation. Look at verse number 22. It says, while it spoke of the creature in verse number 20, that's us, that's you and me, in verse number 22, it says, For we know that the whole, what? Creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So we not only have a creature or creatures that have been devastated and depraved as a result of sin and hence we suffer but we have a creation now look back at genesis chapter 3 and you'll notice the connection there as well now the creature suffered but the creation suffered as well look at genesis chapter 3 and verse 17 when the Bible says unto Adam he said because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat. Look at this. Cursed is the what? Ground for thy sake. My friend when man sinned even the ground even the earth thank you, was cursed. The beauty of the original creation was lost the Bible talks about weeds that's a symptom of the creation being cursed but my friend this earth in which we live is deteriorating you look at the natural disasters that we have storms and hurricanes and earthquakes you think of the faults in the earth Tsunamis and volcanoes, erosions, floods, landslides, the the, the destroying of the ozone layer, the, the hot temperatures that we have. My friend, this creation that we have that by way of earth, my friend, it is groaning under the weight of sin. The earth is deteriorating. I'm not endeavoring to discourage the environmentalists from the save the planet mantras. But what we are endeavoring to do is to manage a deteriorating earth. But this earth is deteriorating, my friend, because of the result of this spiritual war. But here's what I want to leave you with in closing today. You say, what what does this have to do with you and me? What does this have to do with our response? What should our response be to this seemingly depressing news of suffering? Look back at Romans chapter 8, and we'll close with this. There's a decaying creature. there is a deteriorating creation. But my friend, when we think of the reality of what sin has caused, it should result in every single person a desperate craving. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 23. It says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. Look at this, even we ourselves. Look at this, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. Here's what the writer, the Apostle Paul, is saying. He says when we think about the suffering as a result of sin when we think about the fact that our bodies are decaying, when we think about the fact that this world is deteriorating, what it should conjure up in us is a desperate craving for God. A desire for him to redeem this depraved condition, this depraved condition existence to restore what was lost as a result of sin my friend there should be a desperate craving for god for redemption for our restoration to what it was prior to man's fall think of a sick person in the hospital That person groans and longs for healing. Think of a person whose house might have been destroyed or damaged by fire or hurricane. That person might groan even physically or in their spirit to long for the restoration of their health, the restoration of their body, the restoration of their home. My friend, we are to be craving to be freed from this bondage of sin. And this is why we are to hate sin. Notice I never one time said we ought to hate the sinner. But every single one of us ought to hate the sin that we we are plagued with. We ought to hate the effects of sin on our society, on our world, on our lives, on our families, on our homes, on creation itself. We ought not to take it lightly. We are to hate the impact that it has on humanity. We are to be groaning because of what it has done and long for the day, my friend, when sin will be no more. With the way in which sin plagues us, day after day, don't you look forward to a day when you have no more sinful thoughts? No more sinful deeds. My friend, craving for that right now, you know what it does? It leads us to turn to a savior. The one who came to provide redemption. And when we look at the devastation of sin, we are never to look at it as, oh, it's not so bad. It ought to cause us to have a burning desire and passion to hate it, to hate its effects and to never be content with wallowing in it. Why? Sin is mankind's biggest problem. It leads to suffering, the pain of death, the pain of separation. But I'm so glad for Jesus that God in his wisdom and in his love and mercy sent the one who would break the back of sin and give us redemption and I pray that even as we groan under the weight and the pain of sin and its defects that groaning would not lead us to despair but that groaning would lead us to turn to the one who can redeem and who can restore and who is able. That is why we present Jesus Christ. He's the solution. He's the answer. Whatever it is you are going through, sin has shackles. Sin is bondage. But our God is able to break shackles, my friend. But here's the point. You have to get sick and tired of the shackles. You got to get sick and tired of the bondage. You have to get sick and tired of the depravity and say, God, I crave you. I crave restoration. I crave healing. And Jesus will say to you, I got your healing right here. And I pray that as we continue to look at the results and the devastating effects of this war, that it would give us a great appreciation for what Jesus did. And it develop developing us a healthy hatred for sin in our lives, recognizing that there is a solution.